How's everyone doing? Okay, it's an amazing time of worship we had this morning. We have an amazing band, amazing worshipers. Um, thank you for letting me share this morning. It's really exciting, and um, anytime I get to talk about Jesus, it makes me really happy because Jesus is a big deal, isn't he? Um, and so, how many of you remember the first time uh, when you became a Christian, and like you, you remember that moment? Okay, how was, how was that? What was that like? amazing, brilliant. It was just eyes opened. How many, how, many times, how many people here can remember that first time when like, you had communion and it kind of made more sense? It was meaningful. Yeah, I think it's just amazing to remember um, the first time, you know. So this morning, I'm really excited. And uh, before I get into the preaching of the Word, which is always cool, I just thought it would be good to honor uh, some people here that I think are really amazing. I think um, just the, the, the caliber of people here at Solo Christian Fellowship is it's amazing. The love, um, the kindness, the generosity, the faithfulness of many people here is just amazing. And there's a couple of people I want to honor. Um, and one of those people is Ben. Yeah. Ben's amazing, isn't he? I think, like, when I first became a Christian, I was thinking about this this past week, I remember Ben's availability and the way that I did, I was making some decisions and stuff, and I remember just how, how available he was for, like, counsel. And that's quite, sometimes that's kind of rare to find. And I remember becoming a Christian, and just the way God loved me and the way that he used Ben to really influence me in a positive way, I'm so thankful for that. I remember making decisions about university, about girlfriends, these kind of things. I remember him just giving me some counsel, and that really helped me. And so I wanted to honor Ben, because I think he's an amazing pastor, an amazing teacher, and we have amazing leadership here. I just wanted to say that. So let's just show our appreciation for Ben again. He's awesome. Because today we're going to talk evangelism, uh, and we're going to talk about the gospel and Jesus and all sorts of things. Uh, We'll see what God does. But I think it's just so important to honor the different giftings in the body. And people, I remember when I became a Christian, different people would say to me, oh, you're evangelistic. And I'd be like, didn't even know what that meant. Uh, just, it's like, oh, great. Um, uh, and so I kind of have an evangelistic heart, but I think it's so important to honor the different parts of the body. We have different functions, but we all want the same thing. And we all want Jesus to be glorified at the end of the day. We don't really care about anything else. We want Jesus to receive the reward of his suffering because he's a big deal. And so I wanted to honor Ben. Something I've learned from in different countries and cultures is like sometimes uh, if you honor somebody, it's always with a gift. And I know that for, uh, for pastors, you need, you need coffee because you meet so many different people. So Bora Coffee is pretty good. The people there are great. And so there you go. It is real. It looks like I did it with crayon, but they didn't have anything. And so you're good. There's a receipt as well. Um, but I just wanted to honor Ben and just even the church because there's so many pastoral hearts here. This is like sometimes I go away and you come back and you kind of like it's like a fresh, like you get to see a fresh sense of what God is doing. I'm like, wow, the, the love that we have here is really incredible. I think that's a testimony to the pastoral hearts that are here uh, with leadership and also in the congregation. I think of Bruce, different people that just kind of care for people so deeply. And so... Um, I have some other good news, and that is I got engaged, uh, like, uh, long ago. Come on. 
been waiting. Come on, Jesus. Thank you. Um, and so that was it's really cool. And uh, Eliza's been coming in here a little bit. And she said, like, she was so astounded by the love that she saw. And she was saying, it's, it's Book of Acts-like. The way that people, they lay their lives down for one another. She was just like, whoa, like, this is, this is Book of Acts. Um, and so I just wanted to share that with you all. Like, it's, it's amazing what God's been doing. Um, and the sincere love. So thank you. Thank you for your generosity and your kindness to me and my family. I think, like, I saw that thing about Joe Cave going to YWAM in January, which is great. And just the way that so many of you championed me to go there, it's like, it's astounding. And so um, it's amazing to see him doing that and that I just trust that um, I, myself, I'm so happy to continue to pray for him and support him because it really is, it's a, it's a group effort. So yeah, let's get into some more stuff. Um, yeah, okay, so it's a little bit different than you expected this morning because it says the gospel and I love the gospel. It's amazing. It's changed my life. Changed your life? Okay, so I love the gospel. Um, I'm going to do it a little bit differently. Has anybody ever seen the film Karate Kid? Wax on, wax off. Okay, so that's, I'm glad that you said that. Okay, because there's that scene. <laughs> I can see you laughing, Dad. I know you like it. Uh, there's that scene where uh, the student, what's his name? Oh, wow, Reese, that's cool. Like, <laughs> He gets to, he has to do all these different things. He wants to be a karate guy. He wants to be a champion. He wants to knock out some people. Uh, and the way in which he's taught is almost surprising because he wants to do it straight away. And Mr. 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 Miyagi, okay. Miyagi, sorry, okay. <laughs> yeah. He has him do these things which you like, you kind of like, don't miss the. Like, he's kind of a little bit, why, why am I doing it this way? I want to do it this way. But after time, he understands that the things he's been doing with the paintbrush, wax on, wax off, are actually essential for him to do the work. And so just keep that in your mind as we progress through it this morning. Because I want to talk about evangelism. I want to talk about the gospel. I want to talk about Jesus. But the main uh, thrust of the message this morning is worship. It's worship because evangelism in its purest form, like, it's, it's worship. I, we adore Jesus, and we just, let, we just release it. We breathe in, we breathe out. That's how we do it. And so, like, I want to simplify what we think of evangelism. Because many times we think of, like, I don't know, Billy Graham, and we think of, I uh, know, it's amazing man of God, but we all kind of think of this um, 100,000 crowd, and I, I couldn't do that. But really, essentially... We're just declaring to men um, our affection for God and how they must <laughs> and how it's good for them to know him too. Is that, that's pretty simple, right? Okay, so it's something we can all do. I want to go to John chapter 4. I'll stay down low. Who likes John chapter 4? Okay. And so, John chapter 4, I think, is probably one of the best chapters in the whole Bible on evangelism and sharing faith. And Jesus, who is the ultimate master, he's just so good. He's amazing at revealing the Father. Like, he gives this master class. But it's interesting that the word evangelism isn't mentioned in it. It's really funny. Uh, at the end, he preaches to a, a multitude. 
but the theme of it is the revealing of who Jesus is and when he reveals to the Samaritan woman um, that I am the, he's the Messiah, the, he's the Messiah. Uh, and yet in the build-up, he talks about worship. I think that's amazing. And not just that, that God is looking for worshipers. That God is looking for worshipers. So I'll stop speaking, just let the word speak for itself for a moment. Okay. Could we have someone read for me, actually? Anne, could you read? Um, we'll do from verse 19 through to 24. Now the woman said to him, So I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you all say that in Jerusalem is the place that where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither of this mountain, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. Yet the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So amazing. I could read that a lot. Um, Okay. And so I'm going to summarize John 4 in a real quick way. We could be here for a while, but... Basically, Jesus is doing amazing ministry somewhere. He has to leave because there's a bit of jealousy, so he has to go somewhere else. He has to to go through Samaria. And so in a moment where you'd think that there wouldn't be great opportunity, um, he just sits down at a well. He's exhausted. Uh, He is in a position where his disciples leave. This woman comes up to him. He begins to have a conversation with her and breaks all the cultural boundaries. But he just begins to draw out the things that are in this woman's heart. And she goes deeper and deeper and deeper as the chapter progresses into the things of God, which is pretty amazing. And so it's everything that Jesus um, says, everything that he does, it's so measured, it's so calculated. Everything is so specific. And so I think there's a, there's a paradigm, there is almost a process that, that Jesus has taken this woman through because it's really important for us too. She goes from a place of kind of brokenness and needing to kind of learn more about him. And she begins to, her eyes are open. She begins to realize he's a prophet. There's a prophetic word. And then there's a moment where she begins to talk to her about worship. But I think it's amazing that Jesus doesn't waste his words. If he says something, it's for a reason. And so I think this woman, although she looked very broken, a very broken life amongst the people that are, uh, we know that the Jews didn't really consider to be faithful worshippers of God. And yet these things begin to pour out of Jesus' heart to hers. And he doesn't waste his words. And so to me, I believe that he saw her as a worshipper. That's why he said it. Does that make sense? He doesn't waste his words. There's times where he'd bring messages where they'd be like, bam, and like against the Pharisees and different stuff. It's like a sledgehammer. It's kind of like, oh, Jesus, did you say that? Wow. But in this moment, he's like kind of delicate. And there's that scripture that says like a bruised reed he will not break. 
And he begins to lead this woman into a deeper relationship until she has the awareness without a sign or a wonder, with no miracle, no miracle, <laughs> that Jesus is the Messiah. And he tells her plainly, which means that there was a hunger in her, I believe. And she began to unlock something as a worshiper. Is that okay? As the passage progresses, he's teaching the woman, he's teaching the disciples, and he's teaching the crowd, and he's teaching us now, which is great. Um, it progresses into the harvest. He begins to talk about harvest to his disciples. I love evangelism. It's great. But it comes from the overflow of worship. It comes from the overflow of intimacy with God. Worship and prayer and intercession leads to amazing things. Uh, and that's on an individual level and that's on a corporate level. And really, it's dependent upon the hunger of his followers. I've seen this time and time again. That if we go deep with God um, in our private lives and corporately, he will do extraordinary things. And we'll kind of we'll be ready for it. And so I love that we sang that song this morning uh, about we are the laborers, you know. And that's what we are. We're workers 24-7. The rest of our lives, we're workers. That's what we're about. Okay, so I just want to talk, about, give you an example of the way that worship actually opens up doors. And I think probably everybody here knows where I'm going. Acts chapter 16 and Philippi, where we have an example of where Paul and Silas are being persecuted because they're ministering the word. And Paul casts out a, a demon from a woman that has a spirit of divination. And it causes a lot of uh, conflict in this region of Philippi because it means their money's going to be affected. This man's money's going to be affected. So there's this uproar. Okay. And so they get beaten. Even though they're Roman citizens, they get beaten and they get thrown into prison, into the inner prison. Okay. And so. Here's a moment where I think Paul and Silas could have been like, God, what are you doing? Like, I thought it was going to be like this. We're out here. We're preaching the word for you. And we're getting scourged and we're getting beaten up. And this is not okay because, man, God, I thought you were good. But instead, they don't go down that route. Instead, they choose to turn that suffering and that pain into worship. They sang hymns and into intercession. They had this incredible hope that no matter where they were, they were going to burn for Jesus, regardless of circumstance. And so that's pretty cool. And that's what they do. And we, all, we know the story of how there's an earthquake, and all the prisoners are kind of listening to them. It's kind of strange that has such hope in such circumstances. But the prison doors open. It's a, it's a miracle. It's an earthquake. Doors are open. They could have ran away, but they don't. The guy goes to kill himself with a sword who's, the, uh, who's looking after them, which is what the thing would be to do in those days. And Paul shouts out, don't, don't do that. Like, it's okay, we're all here. And this, this Roman, this man of dignity, of honor, of war, comes to Paul, who could have escaped and says, Sirs, how must I be saved? That is a transformation. Maybe that's 30 minutes, two hours of just worship and, and prayer. But in that time... God did something incredible which led to the advancement of the kingdom on a long-term basis because we know that churches were planted in Philippi and that what he did as that 
that Roman submitted his life to Jesus and was baptized. His whole household was filled with joy, but it was very much connected to what happened between Paul and Silas as they pursued and had intimacy with God and prayed. So I think that's incredible um, that that broke open things very literally, but I'm sure many people here would say, well, this was going on and we just worshipped. But this is, this is circumstantially with stuff that's going on in our lives, but this is very much connected to the harvest and to the great commission and to souls being saved by Jesus is that. Okay, so that's a decent example. Okay, it's not just my imagination. That's good. Okay, another reason why worship is really important for evangelism is because it connects us to the heart of God. It connects us to the heart of God. Um, how many people here have kind of walked in maybe Birmingham or kind of like normally cities and you'll hear somebody preaching. And sometimes it's amazing. It's great. And there's sometimes where someone's preaching like hell and brimstone and you, they're judgmental and critical. And it's like, oh, it's just, just wrong. How many people have seen that? Okay. And it turns people off because we know that hell is real and it's scary. Oh my gosh. I don't want anybody to go there. They must be saved. It's essential they hear the gospel, believe by word of mouth and receive him. But in order to convey the message of Jesus, we have to connect with the heart of Jesus. Yeah? Because in order to convey that message, we have to go deep with him. You could have two people. Uh, one would be preaching hell, and their face is just like, they don't care. Like, it's critical. It's judgmental. I think when Jesus, this is just me, my personal opinion, is I think when Jesus was warning people and he was saying, don't, don't go there, like uh, there's weeping, gnashing of teeth. I believe there was tears in his eyes. I believe there was a sincerity where people were like, like there was, it was in the right way. Does that make sense? So we want to convey the message uh, with God's heart. There's a principle when sharing the gospel and sharing the message of truth and it's kind of, we were talking about this the other day, weren't we, Rich? Like, before we minister to men, we first minister to God. And when we don't get that right, you get discouraged. If God is your everything, and to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength is the focus, it's very hard to be discouraged because we're receiving a kingdom, kingdom that cannot be shaken. It's not going to go away. It's real. So it's, it's hard to lose hope when we minister to God first. So if we're knocking on 10 doors and everyone says, no, go away. We're not, we don't want to hear from Jehovah's Witnesses. And you say, we're not Jehovah's Witnesses, whatever. Um, it's not discouraging because you know who you're doing it for. <laughs> and so maybe success is measured by our obedience. Yeah? And so whether it's 10 that people that say no, or 50 or 100, for me, I mean, it's sad because I don't want people to have hard hearts, but really, like, I know I'm being obedient, so I don't really care. Because if we're living for an audience of one, then, oh, well. Like, you know what I mean? My heart does break for people that don't know, just Jesus, just so you know. It's, it's kind of like, he's the main thing. And so with that perspective of ministering to God first in worship, individually, corporately, 
there is a sustainability that you can just do this for decades and not get tired. When people, like, whatever it is, whether it's through a rejection, whether they get scourged, like Paul and Silas, like, it didn't really matter to them because their eyes were fixed on him and obeying his commands. Um, I think, like, this is my personal opinion, but, like, I think we're all looking for, like, we're looking for prophetic words from God. And I love the prophetic. Like, I love it. I, I think it's great. But I think God's just looking for people to obey his commands. <laughs> he said it, you know. So let's just, we can just do it. Um, yeah, there's a sustainability, sustainability and endurance. Um, Isaiah 40, verse 31, about waiting upon the Lord, renew your strength. Um, so for us, as we're ministering to our families, to uh, our friendship group, uh, whether it's on the street, whether, whatever it is, uh, ultimately we want to meet with, with more and more people that don't know him. Um, we can just have this constant state of strength from God where we can just do it continuously. Um, I think that's really important. And so this is a bit like that wax on, wax off moment where it's like, okay, this is, there's, to really be fruitful in the kingdom, I think this is priority to sustain it. Okay, is this good? Is this helpful? I don't want to just, um, okay. Okay. One of my favorite uh, characters in the Bible is King David. Uh, how many people got some respect for David? Cool guy. Okay. And I think that he has one of the most incredible uh, statements made about him. When in the book of Acts, I believe it's verse uh, in chapter 13, uh, Paul's talking. He says, God testified about David that he was a man after God's own heart and willing to do whatever he told him to do. <laughs> and so I believe that the pursuit of God and even the pursuit of, of people that don't know him, it's connected to the heart. And so I want to emulate, I'm sure all of us here, we want to emulate King David where he had this, he wrote things like, you're the one thing. Psalm 27, you're the one thing. And so with that same mindset, King David served God very faithfully. And I mean, a little bit along the way, we know, we know about that. But he, he did, he completed the work. He did, he served God in his generation. And he laid a, uh, an inheritance for his sons who were coming after us. Even us, we can dig into the things that he discovered about God. And so I think one of the things that's really important to understand for us is that we're workers. <laughs> it's part of our DNA. We work for Jesus 24-7. It's not one man's responsibility. It's not one woman's responsibility. It's not whatever. It's all of us. We're meant to carry um, the work of the ministry. It's for, it's for all of us. I think it's amazing to see, like even the things, like, I've been spending some time with a pastor in the U.S. for four months. And he began to talk to me about the workload and the administration and the different cap hats that people have to wear. And I just, I had tremendous honor from my heart now for pastors on a deeper level. But I realized, man, maybe I, maybe I look in a, in a way that's unhealthy and I have an expectation when I need to carry the load too. I need to care for people more. It's the same with evangelism. This is not one man's responsibility. This is our collective calling 
and our purpose is that God, um, when Jesus rose from the dead, he gave gifts to the body, which is you guys. <laughs> and there's, there's so many evangelists here. It's incredible. I look at Richard, man, what a worshiper, what a lover of Jesus, what an incredible evangelist, you know. So it's, I think it's something for us to understand is that we're all called to worship. We can all do it. And we can all express God's love in a unique way and be faithful to the message of the gospel. Um, that's another point. Okay, cool. Um, okay, going back to the passage of John 4. At no point does Jesus say to the Samaritan woman, after she has this encounter with him, you must go and do this. I want you to go to all of the people and I want you to say to them, say this, 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 this. And what's going to happen is they're going to come to me and this is going to happen. They're all going to believe. Jesus doesn't say that. Her response to encountering Jesus is to immediately leave her water pot, the thing that she went there for, she found something better, and was to express that to her, her group or just the people she was around. And I think for some of us, when we think of sharing our faith in evangelism, sometimes it almost feels like a burden, like I don't want to let God down or I don't want to, what are these different things? But it's like the response to encountering Jesus, I, don't th- I think it's just, it's just one of the normal responses for us, you know? It's like I've, we found this thing that is just insane, that um, we're so broken and that God would love us. It's like, man, people have got to know. People have got to know. And so um, I think the Samaritan woman, uh, let's keep saying Sam because it's a mouthful, that, that Sam... Like, she responds in a way which is really good. I don't think she had that much training. <laughs> she didn't have that much training. Uh, I don't know, whatever. But she just, she'd found something. <laughs> she'd found something that was real for the first time, perhaps. She received the first prophetic word. <laughs> and she met Jesus face to face. So, as we encounter Jesus... That's our response. It's in, our, it's in kingdom DNA. It's what we do. It's for all of us to carry and to do. Um, and I think that's amazing that God would let us do that and that we get to do it. Not as a chore, not as a whatever. It's kind of like, man, I, I get to share about Jesus. I deserve so much less. And I get to talk about his name to people. Are you kidding me? <laughs> the things I did in my youth and I get to do this. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. It's amazing. Um, yeah, and so, is this helpful? Yeah. Okay, good, good, okay. So, the theme, John 4, he's looking for worshipers. And when I see that, I think about my broken life and different things I've done. I see that, I'm like, oh, but I'm kind of like, God, I'll be one. <laughs> I want to be that, I want to be that person. I want to, I think that's an incredible invitation to all of us individually and corporately to become a worshiper. And I, I know that we're all on this journey, but it's an encouragement to all of us to be like, you know what? Like, I, I want to I be a worshiper. <laughs> Thank you. Even though I'm broken, great, let's do it. Um, yeah. With our worship also, we know that it's not just a song. It's the way that we live our lives. And so, what are the things I've been understanding, even like Hebrew thinking, it was very much, um, it wasn't just head knowledge, it was really was they had to live this thing out, you know? 
And so I heard Bill Johnson talk about worship once, and he was talking about evangelism too. It was really good. And he was saying like, he was talking about how God's purpose of worship, and he, it was incredible, one of the amazing talk on YouTube, Bill Johnson. And he said, like, God isn't insecure. <laughs> like, when we worship him, it's not because he's insecure and he needs us to tell him who he is. He's very assured that he's the Alpha and the Omega. <laughs> he, like, he doesn't need me to, like, whatever. Like, I get to do it. And that's to give us freedom, you know. He's not insecure. I think that a part of worship that's integral is that when we sing these songs about him being gracious and merciful and all these different things, I think it's also to empower us to live out the songs that we're singing. And I think as we begin to do that, that's when we begin to touch on biblical worship, which is the, the, the coming low, the bowing, the, the giving of a life. And so we know from Romans 12 that like, worship is to lay our lives down, to not be conformed to the ways of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds and to give him our life. And so I think that that's the form of worship that God enjoys, desires, and it's an amazing calling for every single one of us to step into that. And so I think that's really exciting. Yeah? Um, it's good. So, yeah. Yeah. Jesus is really good, isn't he? Um, yeah. And so to give an analogy of that, if I was to worship and amazing worship this morning, and we're singing this praise about laborers, all that kind of stuff, and we're singing about broken lives. We have to, in the way that we live our lives, we have to represent him in that way. Because when we worship, we're accountable to the songs that we sing. It's amazing, actually. It's incredible. And so there's an amazing song at the moment about leaving the 99 for the one. It's an amazing song by Corey Asbury. If anyone's listened to it, it's really good. But I realize as I sing that song, it's powerful, but how can, I, how can I in my lifestyle represent that reality? How can people see through the way that we live our lives that he does love the one, that he does do that? I think that's really important for us to do. Um, yeah. And so wax on, wax off. Worship leads to breakthrough, leads to things being opening up so we can convey the message of Jesus from the heart which is incredible. That being said, would you like some real, very quick pointers on how to share your story uh, this Christmas? Anybody like to do that? Okay. Yeah, you want to do it? Okay, just real quick, because I know time. Uh, how many people here have shared their testimony? Don't feel afraid. It's okay. It's cool. Okay, it's good. Um, okay, this is a quick framework to help you. Um, so, Here's how I do it. I have before Christ, turning point, and after Christ. So three things. So before Christ, turning point, the cross, and after Christ. And so with our stories, as we share them this Christmas, whatever, uh, we can let people know about who we used to be, what happened to us that first time. Communion was so good. The, we became Christians, and then uh, after Christ. What's happened now? I have this joy. 
I have this, this eternal hope. I have a kingdom that's never going to be shaken. I'm being forgiven of my sin. I don't, I'm not going to go to hell. I get to spend eternity with Jesus. And so it's just that framework. For some of us, we grew up going to church. Who here has just gone to church your whole life? That's amazing. You still have a story because what you can do is just really focus on um, how you uh, had to make a decision and the things that God has done in your life since. There's still a story there. Um, so can somebody, can you remember that, Rich? The framework? Just So we've got before Christ. There we go. And so you can just share your stories. Um, yesterday, we, I wanted to test this. this uh, it's not a theory because I believe it's biblical in terms of John 4, the pattern that's in there. So I don't think it's theory. I think ultimately the Bible interprets the Bible and my experience has to come higher to what the Bible says. I think that's really important. Um, but we tried this out yesterday, worshiped for a while, and it didn't, we kind of went our separate ways by putting into practice. And just the things that opened up in Shirley was just amazing. Story after story after story, different people, Jehovah Witnesses, lady on the street, uh, homeless guy, and it's just bam, 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 because the work had been done in the secret place. And so I just wanted to encourage us this morning that, man, like, it's amazing that God would consider us workers and that we get to labor for the kingdom of God. And that's a great honor because I can't wait to stand before him one day and hopefully just give that crown, give it all to him, you know. So thank you for letting me share this morning. Hopefully that's helpful. Um, Yeah, thank you.